they sold meth like they sell alcohol, I'd be fucked. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I don't have to avoid the meth aisle at the grocery store. Alright, we ready? I'm gonna do the introduction. Okay. Oh, what is the introduction? Dang. Hello! Hi. Welcome to. <laughs> yeah, hello! <laughs> welcome to Diary from a Addict. I am your host, Alan. Hi, and I'm Annie. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. But we are back with a couple episodes uh, before we wrap up our first season. Our first season will be in the can soon. Woohoo! Um, this is exciting. I actually, I through this, I forgot to tell you, I did an interview with another girl on her podcast because she was listening to ours oh. and wanted to talk to me about my, my recovery process. So yes, we are. We have a reach, Annie. We have a reach. Oh my gosh, yeah, you didn't tell me. Yeah, I think Although. we have like 100, 120 some listens to the podcast. So those 120 people, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Share. So, <laughs> share. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, did you say share or sure? Share, yeah, sure. Oh, I thought you said sure. I'm like, no. like okay, sure, whatever. I mean, I have faith in us. <laughs> I do too. We just got to let this happen organically. You know, you can't force it. Um, that's what they say anyway. So today we're going to talk about, um, with the holidays coming up, we did a live on this, but we're going to, a Facebook live on this topic, but we're going to go ahead and do an actual uh, episode on it. Um, And it's going to be on relapse prevention, Uh, because it's a super important thing to talk about in recovery um, and the reasons why, why it's important to understand what a relapse is, what, why it's important to. Um, get yourself back on track and why it's important to not really beat yourself up about it because as we know Annie (laughs) relapse is a part of recovery yes it is so to kick things off let's start with so the first part of uh, relapse prevention is to (laughs) the most important part of relapse prevention is having to have a plan Mm -hmm. and that's really what we're going to talk about is having a plan how to create a plan um, initiate that plan if it were to ever come to that point Right. Um, so I don't know, Annie, do you want to kick it off or you want me to kick it off or where do we want to start? Um, I could start. Definitely. Okay. Go ahead. I'm actually handing out a lot of like relapse prevention, planning, um, worksheets and stuff lately. It's been like a big part of my treatment, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, and, uh, I mean, it's the holiday time too. So it's, it's been happening a lot in the recovery house that I live in is a lot of people have been relapsing and I think it has to do with the holidays. Right. And you know what? You, I was just thinking that it's a pretty tough time of the year to get through, um, you know, not using, uh, you know, when you're in recovery. And I just wanted to say congratulations to everyone that just got through Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was, <laughs> um, you know, and I, this was my first sober holiday. Awesome. Um, Congrats. The house I live in, that we have a main house. And at the main house, they did dinner for us. And then afterwards, there was an AA meeting. And it was so cool because, like, I was worried about the whole day because I was afraid of, like, I wasn't going to have, like, enough things to do. So prior to dinner, the people that stayed behind and didn't go to their families, we hung around that afternoon. Like, we went and walked around town. We went to the park and, like, threw a football around. And, like, we just kind of, like, hung out. And then we all went to dinner together. It was cool because I remember last year, like, I couldn't even stay sober. Like, all I had to do was not get high that morning. And I couldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? And it's like now, like the the thought of getting high, it just like makes me cringe. I, I it was cool. It was a cool feeling. I was very grateful to have the experience and to be able to like kind of uh, just get through it, but get through it in a positive, healthy way. So relapse prevention. 
Right. So here's the thing. When you have a substance use disorder, it can humble you to the point where it brings you to the knees, right? Right. And to think that you're not going to relapse, totally irrational. That doesn't mean you're going to, but to think that you've got it and you're going to do that without any kind of planning or hard work is an irrational thought if if you just can't. So saying I got this is short-sighted. So you have to have a plan. Um, Plans are necessary because they reinforce, you know, the, the things that you've learned in treatment and 12 step programs, you know, wherever you've learned them, you have to have a plan that reinforces those things. So it's, it's like distorted thinking, thinking that if you just got out of rehab or a recovery center that you're, you've got it. Yeah. Which is what a lot of us think when we first get out of a treatment center is that we think yeah. we, we we're good now but really we don't even realize it but you know what i have to we have to talk about something real quick okay so wednesday i'm getting ready for work and Mm -hmm. i like i pulled my towel out of my gym bag which was on the top shelf of my closet okay okay now mind you i live in a recovery house so many people have come in and out of here all right yeah i go take my shower i come back in my closet to get dressed and there's a needle sitting on top of my clothes in my closet and I was the only one home at the time so it wasn't like somebody planted it there and my roommate and I were the only two that were former needle users so I I I instantly called my my house manager and we got it taken care of no it wasn't anybody in the house we all tested you know clean for our drug tests whatever but Mm -hmm. um so the it, it was probably stashed there from somebody who lived there prior to to us living there like it was up somewhere and fell or something. Yes, yeah. So I'm at the I'm at uh, I, I'm at this point now in recovery where it's like seeing that possibly could have triggered me early on, right? Probably would have. Um, but this time it just made me uncomfortable to like where I just didn't want it in the room. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, I didn't want to use it. I just wanted it not in my 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 mind. Personal Do you space. know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so yeah, I just didn't want it in my personal space. And it kind of made me realize that, like, I'm at this point where I just don't, it's not that I don't care, because I care. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's nothing in my life that is bad enough to the point where I want to use. Or, That's awesome. Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, if something were to happen, if something major were to happen, like, if one of my parents were to get sick or... Uh, like a really close family member or f- friend were to get sick or, or possibly pass away, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I, I would need to really have my prevention plan in place. Right. But I, I also feel like at this point, and I, I, my plan is so solid that I feel like I don't need to relapse if it makes any sense. Like it I, does have, make I have, sense. I I feel have like a you... well-laid plan to where I know that if I were to relapse, I wouldn't, be it, it, I wouldn't like there'd be a quick turnaround I guess so to speak do you know what I mean yeah um, and, and, I, and, and anyways we'll get to the, that that as well about like the plans and and what you need to have in place in order to to that, to help with that but what you I just, just had to get that, that off my chest <laughs> where you are in your recovery like people mm-hmm. don't realize that it's not just recovery and everyone's in the same place right like everyone's at different levels just like you're at different levels of growth in your personal life 
you know, outside of mm-hmm. addiction. That's why so. part of like prevention planning is building that we, building the people that are important mm-hmm. to be around you that you know are going to be that support for you. Right. And and I think too, the, the thing is, and, and the key thing in, in building a good uh, relapse prevention plan is being honest with yourself and the people around you. Absolutely. Um, because I think, I think that is the, cause we're so afraid to disappoint people once we get sober. And <laughs> for those people out there who are listening, who, who are on the other end of, of this sort of coin on the flip side, you can't make somebody feel any worse about relapsing than they already feel themselves. Yep. Like you just can't do it because it's only going to make things worse. And it's, you know, you don't know if they're going to get back into recovery if you're, if you're just making them feel worse about what they did or what happened. Right. And honestly, no matter how um, family or loved ones or friends feel about it or what they say, it doesn't matter in, unless the person themselves that's in the addiction wants mm-hmm. the change right. and wants, you know, so right. you said it's so a, true, so valid I, in so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the, the, and I, and talking about relapse honestly helps me to not relapse because like, right. I, like I, <laughs> if I normalize the relapse and it's not going to like it, you know what I mean? Like it's just going to become something that's like a thought process that I just, I don't. Right. That's so, the, um, that goes back to, you know, our first episode, was it our first episode that we did stigma? Yeah. And I said, you know, once we normalize the fact that addiction is what it is. So what makes a good prevention plan, Annie? Okay. First, the th- first thing I want to talk about is just making goals. You know, if okay. you don't have any purpose in your life, you're, you, what are you planning for? Your relapse prevention has to have purpose. So when you have purpose in your life, you have goals, right? Right. So what are your dreams? Um, it could be something as simple as, you know, I just right now, my goal is to be sober for a month, right? Right. Obviously, we want our long-term goal to be sober for a lifetime. But you have to make your goals, you know, achievable and valid and realistic and timely. Right. So write out your goals. And your big goal could be literally, you know, this is what I want. I want a house and I want my bills paid and I want my car and, (laughs) you know, all that good stuff that life has to bring you. And and that was, that's uh, on the flip side of that is with goals, you have to learn to be patient. Absolutely. That was hard. And And that's part of the realisticness of setting the goals because you want to set a goal. You want to set a realistic timetable for yourself. Just like we've said before, you don't become an addict in just a day and recovery is a lifetime. So you have so much time and it's okay to take that time. I know. I remember whenever I I first got out and I, I was moving into the recovery house and I was like I'll probably be here for like a month or two <laughs> we're going I'm sorry to be the last like <laughs> no but, but we're going on three I months like and it. I finally sat down I, the, the one day it just and it happens to everybody at some point I can't explain it I don't know what I did to get to this point but I have finally stopped forcing my recovery and I'm mm-hmm. allowing myself to recover what I mean by yes. that is that I am not I'm not forcing myself to go to meetings that I don't want to go to 
Mm-hmm. I, I now have, I have found three meetings that I really enjoy in person. And I have a couple um, on, you know, a couple online that I go to as well. Well, that's kind um, of part of the 90 and 90 though. Like when they say do 90 and 90, you're actually finding where your we is. Right. And so I, that's awesome. I, I found that now. And so I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm letting recovery happen, but I'm able to kind of push it to the peripheral so that mm-hmm. I can now let my life happen. Right. Because um, that's what you want it to become, that automaticity. Right. right. And so I'm just kind of like, like the other day I sat on the couch and watched TV and I didn't care that I was bored. Like I was okay <laughs> with being bored. Feeling. Yeah. You know, so, and it, it, it happens to everybody. And I, I'm telling everybody out there who's, who's going through this right now. It's hard. It sucks. It's awful. But it, I didn't believe it when people told me this, but it really does get easier. Um, every day gets a little easier, but, uh, but when it came to setting my goals, I had very unrealistic goals. Like I was going to, you know, only be here for a couple months. I'd be in my own apartment by now. I would have a car. Mm-hmm. I would have, you know, a dog, dot, 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 A, B, and C. And finally, <laughs> I just said that, like, from now on, my goal was when I first got here to get a job. All right, I got a job. The goal after yeah. that was to get a car. I didn't put a time limit on that. But it it came down to honestly what happened is I got on the wrong bus one night and I ended up 20 minutes outside of town and had to pay a $22 Uber to get home. So I ended up paying a lot more than that bus ride just to get home. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, and it took me being honest with myself and honest with, um, and honest with others saying that this is what I need help with is getting a car. And so eventually, you know, I, and I did, I found the car and I was able to get one. So now that that piece of the puzzle is done, my next goal is to eventually move out on my own. But I also know I'm not ready and I'm not going to yep. force it. Good. And I'm going to just let it happen when it happens. So that's like, that's part of that, that goal setting that, that you're talking about, right? It's mm-hmm. just, you know, allowing it to happen, have an idea, but don't force your recovery. Right. That's perfect. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I was a little long winded on that one because that. No, no, I think think that's wonderful because I say it, this is what I love about our podcast, actually, like when we talk to each other, Mm -hmm. because I say it as the therapist and I hear you giving it back to me as you have lived Mm -hmm. it and are learning it still. Right. And I think it's the fruition of the actual counselor that worked with you too. And Mm -hmm. they should be proud because they really taught you. Goal setting has always been something too that's hard for me and it's hard for a lot of addicts. Um, because we want instant gratification and that's just the way our mind, our brains are wired at that moment. I, I find that I'm starting to loosen up on, on, on those types of things. That's why like the goals have to be the first thing really, because you need to know what you're working for. Right. The other thing that's really important is to know what your triggers are. That, uh, we could do a whole episode on triggers. I'm surprised we haven't yet. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, (laughs) But it's not just knowing your triggers, Alan. It's also knowing how your body reacts to those triggers. So it's not just like the emotional or mental thing that happens. It's literally physically how your body reacts Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. I mean, I know for me and triggers are things that, you know, you'll still discover those like months, years into your recovery. A weird thing for me, you know what it does it for me sometimes, are people have those Philips Hue lights, like the LED lights in their houses. 
mm-hmm. that change color and are really pretty and stuff, I'm triggered because I that was like the type of environment that I was in had that those types of lighting. Okay, so, got you. In the party world, like uh, those lights are huge, um, and so when I see those, I like I get a little triggered, and I'm like I I I feel uncomfortable. It's a it's an uncomfortable feeling. It's not right. a craving feeling, but it's uncomfortable. Right. But that uncomfortableness is what leads to the craving and what leads eventually to the use. So when you're aware of all the physical and mental and emotional things that are happening in your Mm -hmm. body on top of your thoughts and everything, like you have to Mm -hmm. remember how you felt during those times and be so aware of that and mindful. Right. Right. So that's another big uh, part of it. I think triggers, triggers and goals are like, and, and don't just, when you because for what I started doing is I would start writing down my triggers so I could keep track of them mm-hmm. because sometimes it would be something silly like you know or it could be something big like somebody from your past reaching out to you like you know things like that and so creating boundaries and, and healthy healthy right. boundaries with with things like that so and then another thing too another trigger for me was was the the dating apps like Grinder and things like yeah. that so I had to get off of those. Wow. So you have to, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be tough with yourself. Like I knew it was not a good thing for me to be on those apps. So I deleted them. It's kind of, that ties in with like, when you have a relapse prevention plan Mm -hmm. that you should probably add in there that if you're not already in a relationship, when you get out of um, like a rehab or treatment, Mm -hmm that you should work on yourself and have that relationship with yourself. That should be part of your relapse prevention plan too. I think so that too. You're working on that. It, it should, because you know, and I actually, this is so weird that you brought that up because today I was just having this conversation. Like somebody was talking about all these people that they're dating and all these people who are like jumping from relationship to relationship. And I was my client I was like, I just want one person out there who wants to date me. And she's like, right. what do you mean? I was like, I'm attractive. I'm funny people like me like i'm getting my <laughs> shit together people like, why can't, me. <laughs> people like me why can't why can't i find this one person who wants to date me in this world and like and then i, I turned around the very next second and i said but i don't want that <laughs> like it just seems exhausting no you but need like, to date yourself right now right and, and that's 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 the case and it's just like um you know i i i again this goes back to setting goals and and being honest with yourself like i want i feel like i want a relationship but i know i don't need a relationship right now because the relationship mm-hmm. is not going to fulfill me any more than what i am already fulfilled if that makes sense right and it can't grow your fulfillment or your um success mm-hmm. more than you can on your own right, right. now like, I feel like there's more things in my life that need more time and my energy. Like, yeah. you know, like I said, eventually I want to move out. So I need to be working on making money and working and, you know, building myself up at work and so that I can eventually get to a place where I can move out on my own. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like once, once all that's all sorted, maybe possibly a relationship, but I still have an ex-husband I'm dealing with. And let me tell you what, girl. <laughs> Talk about relapse <laughs> prevention. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Girl, he got in contact with me. And 
manipulated me the whole time. And I knew it. I knew what he was doing this time, though. So it didn't really hurt me um, mm-hmm. as much as it would have in the past. And so I was really proud of that moment. Because, like, like I said, I'm just at this point where I don't care. Like, if you're not benefiting, if you're not doing the things that you need to do to benefit your life, and you're trying to to bring me down with you, I don't want any part of that. No, and you have to cut the ties. That's also part of a relapse prevention plan Mm -hmm. plan, is that when you are back in the world and you are, you know, living your life, if there are toxic people in your life, you Mm -hmm. need to have those really real conversations with them about boundaries and about what you need for support. If those people will continue to be toxic and don't want to make changes while you're making changes, you need to cut them out of your life. Right. Right. And and, and, that, and that includes family. That includes parents. That yes. includes siblings. Like it includes anybody who is not benefiting. Period. Yep. <laughs> yes. Period. And it's yep. hard. And I, I did, I had the hard talks with my family about drinking in the holiday, at the holidays and, and you know, mm-hmm. what, what my life is like now. And, and they've been very supportive, but, it's hard. It's hard. And it's that it's going all the way back to that honesty, just being honest with yourself and the people around you. You can't find that honesty without working on those goals, because that really gets you thinking about what you really want out mm-hmm. of life and what you want mm-hmm. for yourself and your recovery. So I agree. I agree. And now you kind of have to be on the offensive with your prevention planning. That means that you need to, well, we were just talking about that, honestly, like you have to be on the offense because you have to defend yourself. So you need Mm -hmm. to get rid of the things that are not good for you and start taking care of what is good for you. So that's Mm -hmm. what the offense does. You're looking for, you know, building up your health. You're looking for, you know, what can I put on my relapse prevention plan that helps me take care of me? So Mm -hmm to the dentist to take care of your teeth you're getting to the doctor to take care of your physical health um you know we know in the recovery world that there's a lot of stuff that comes along with addiction that you know is uncomfortable to talk about but you need to start working on it like you know there's right. hep c um there's hiv there's you know there's stds that you know get involved with all of that and you have to take care of those things and yourself yeah. And that's, that's, oh my gosh, that's been hard for me. I just hate that you brought up the dentist because like, I really need to go. <laughs> me I, too. It's getting bad because like my, my back molars have cracked from my wisdom teeth pushing and, you know, doing meth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like now when I eat, like food gets stuck and it's like shoved in, shoving into my gums and it hurts. Oh, it's awful. Mm, yeah, that hurts. Yeah. But Gotta take and that. it is something because you have, you want to plan that. If you can plan it even before you get out of treatment do it because with the way COVID is still happening and doctors are, are backed up. Yeah, everything's so backed up. It's best but to you have, have to be patient. Yes, you do have to be patient, <laughs> but try to get those appointments lined up as soon as possible because I didn't and yeah. now I'm paying for that because I'm waiting now until January before I can even get in to see a PCP. Definitely, definitely, definitely make sure you take care of that in a timely manner. Um, yep. It's important. It's important. Yep. <laughs> so that's <the> time. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. The other thing that I like to um, encourage my clients to do with a relapse prevention plan is to have people right off the bat that you know you can call mm-hmm. when those triggers come up and when those things happen where you're craving, you know that they're not going to co-sign your bullshit when you call them. Right. 
Um, <laughs> and that's that honestly, Annie, that was the hardest thing for me was picking up the phone. Mm-hmm. Like be, being able to pick up the phone and call somebody when I was even thinking of it for a second. Mm-hmm. And when you do it the first time, it becomes easier the next time and the time after that. Yeah, absolutely like anything. Because it, it's just, and, and I have said this a million times, and I'll say it again, I give alcoholics so much credit who, who are in recovery, and especially long-term recovery, because if they sold meth like they sell alcohol, I'd be fucked. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't have to avoid the meth aisle at the grocery store. It's just, it's everywhere. And, and with alcoholics, it's easy to switch that all or nothing. But for somebody like me, in my addiction, there's a lot of planning that goes into actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And so when I even start thinking of, of like that plan, or that I could possibly pull something off, that's when I call somebody. Like, I don't wait until the drug is in my hand and I'm ready to do it. And so right. if you're even thinking about it, even thinking about it, just a, a, a millisecond of a thought, call somebody absolutely it's so it could yeah. like, it could change everything for you so just you know just pick it up pick up the phone don't pick it up pick up the phone <laughs> um and call somebody <laughs> or text if you don't like to te- call text <laughs> yeah and you know if you don't have that list too i know we've said this before there are crisis lines there are text lines mm-hmm. you can text even for crisis situations right. And someone who is well-trained in helping in recovery will text with you and talk with you and help you through it. So there's no excuses. You just have to do it. Right. And that's, that's the thing too, is we love the justifications and the excuses and the reasons, but there really is no reason it's good enough to to pick back up again. No, you are literally never alone. There are so many people (laughs) right there waiting for you to call or text them. And, you know, you never know who, too, is going through the same things you're going through. And I found at work, I'm very open about my my recovery. Um, and I have found that there are people at work who have gone through it, too. Yeah. And so it's nice it's not knowing to be ashamed that of. What's that? It's not something to be ashamed of. It's really not, because you're doing something really good for yourself. And, yes, there are people out there who are like, oh, that's awesome, or good mm-hmm. for you. But those are the types of people who just don't understand it. And you can take that as an opportunity to teach them about recovery, or you can just choose to not. Yep. You have that choice too. Um, (laughs) But the more it's talked about and the more open we are about it too, the less relapses there could be in this world, you know? Mm -hmm. So we, we're going back to that stigma. We got to get rid of that stigma. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's so important. Like that, I'm so glad really we is. did that for like our first episode because I mean, right. overall, that is the biggest help for anybody in recovery is that mm-hmm. we overcome that. The founders of AA or NA didn't mean that you need to be anonymous all of the time. Right. The anonymity is in is in the meetings. It's in um, those close knit, you know, groups that we're not going out and telling everybody, oh, guess who I saw at the meeting. Right. Right. It's not it's to, about it's to keep it. It's to keep your it. your recovery personal and to to allow others into your recovery when you're ready. Right. Exactly. Um, and that's like you know, and even talking about the meetings. So I was an avid uh, NA and AA goer. Um, I do prefer AA meetings as I I find the um the sort of the the 
format to be a little bit more my speed. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, drug addicts are drug addicts. We can go to NA and we're fine. We don't need mm-hmm. all these other specifications. <laughs> and this kind of might be for our next episode. But I went to a crystal meth anonymous meeting for the first time a few weeks ago. And I have to tell you what, it was the most freeing thing to sit in the meeting and say, my name's Alan and I'm a crystal meth addict. Because yeah. was the first time I actually admitted it. Because I wasn't cross-addicted. I, I, I pretty much stuck with meth and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it really is a different world that is tied to that drug than there is to other other drugs you know each drug sort of has its own sort of community that's that surrounds it they have um, their own specific specific stigmas too yeah so it's like you just know like it was any kind of, yeah it was nice to be in a room full of people that i didn't have to explain anything to you know like they knew that it was the drug that led to the sex addiction that led to the porn addiction that led to the lifestyle that i was living for six years but i didn't right. need to explain that to anybody because we all lived it you know and mm-hmm. it all, that life is what brought us into this room together as a group. So it was, it was really cool. It was like, it was neat. Um, and so it made me realize and, and kind of opened my eyes a little bit to there is a need for these types of groups. And so in your, in your relapse prevention plan, bringing it back, make sure you're finding groups that feel right for you, that feel like they're this, that they do serve a purpose for you and your recovery. Don't just right. go to and meetings, it's important go to meetings. To it's so important to know that recovery maintenance meetings aren't just AA or NA. Right. Like I love yes. that you brought up BMA because hello. I mean, yeah. we all have, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's ones for people who have dual diagnosis and that might be something that speaks to you. There's ones that follow Buddhist principles. So but, the other thing I wanted to say is that you have to have like those tools that you learn outpatient or IOP or in your rehab, you have mm-hmm. to have those tools on hand and have them like in your arsenal. It's like your toolkit for your right. relapse prevention plan. So you need to, like, I know you, Alan, you have everything organized and in this yeah, binder, I right? <laughs> I do. So, but I will tell clients to have like an index card that they can keep with them somewhere. Mm-hmm that maybe will remind you of conflict resolution or communication or have phone numbers on it of people to call, you know, right. like, or even write out your steps. Like, this is what my plan is. If I'm feeling how, however, <laughs> I want to call this person, you know, and right, right. Have that number there, just something right. that's defined. No, I, I, and I agree. I think that's very important is to always have it on hand and have it available. So, like, just to go over, kind of, like, to boil down what we had talked about, the first step in in relapse prevention is to, I have, like, a little list here, kind of, like, boiled down what you said, is to take time for self-assessment and reflection. So that that's goal setting, that being honest with yourself, realizing what you want in your recovery and mm-hmm. how to achieve it. Like, the second biggest thing would be to recognize triggers and warning signs. Yeah. Again, it goes back to that being honest with yourself. If you think if you're in a relationship that you think is going to be bad for you in your recovery, get out of that relationship. Yep. If you think somebody is being toxic to your recovery, sit them down, have an honest conversation with them and set boundaries that are healthy. Mm-hmm. No more codependency. <laughs> Just get rid of it. Choose a career um, that's not going to lead to 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 a relapse. Make yeah. sure you're happy in your job. Make sure you're happy. Like you you want to make sure that every pillar in your life is is fulfilling yeah. and not detrimental to your your life and and honestly that's where i'm at right now and i don't want to brag about it but i'm going to brag about it a little bit because it takes hard work 
it, it's hard yes. work. But once you start to feel those things in every part, aspect of your life, you would be amazed. Like there, there is nothing really that bothers me at all. And, and I don't know how to describe it to people because I have never felt this way ever in my life before, even before <laughs> addiction. I don't ever remember feeling this content and this happy with my life. Because you're grateful. Right. And it comes down to gratitude. And I'm very grateful for my life. And I'm very grateful for everything. And it's just, it's, it's almost like I'm sitting here waiting for something bad to happen. But I know nothing bad <laughs> yeah. can happen because I haven't set myself up for anything bad to happen. So, and that's okay. So yeah, so make that part of, set yourself up for for only good things to happen Success. in your life. It is possible. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then, so like the third thing is you were talking about being on the offense and the defense sort of, but the planning for the worst and hoping for the best basically is, is kind of mm-hmm. what that that comes down to. Yep. Um, I think we I think we kind of talked about this one, but like involving others in your recovery. Absolutely. Yep. Would be you know being honest with yourself, being honest with your family, being honest with your loved ones, your spouses, your, your children, Build whoever is in your life. If you work in a place where you can be honest with your coworkers, do it because it's going to make your life so much easier. You know, when, when I am there now, when I'm at work, they now know who I am, what I've gone through. And so conversations around me will shift. Uh, you know, the other day they were talking about drugs and drinking and I kind of said, Hey guys, that's a little bit uncomfortable for me. Yep. And, and they knew why at that point, you know, Mm-hmm. So it it doesn't make things awkward. It just makes things a little easier. So that you, your home life and your your work life can now be sort of copacetic and, and yep. pleasant. Cohesive, yes. Yes. Um, and that way you don't feel like you're hiding. I feel like whenever we start to hide our recoveries, whenever we start, when a relapse becomes, yep. you, it becomes more imminent because we're, we're now hiding from people that we think are going to judge us mm-hmm. for who we are, who we were. And then that turns into the whole isolation thing. Yes. And then yep. you start using because nobody knows that you're using again because nobody knows that you're in recovery. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I mean, we didn't really talk about this one, but we kind of talked about it. But, but like this, it goes back to the goal setting and just setting yourself up for healthy things and a healthy lifestyle. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've gone the way of yoga and I now have, have transitioned now that I have a vehicle to get there. <laughs> Um, I go to the gym now every morning and I love it. Hour and a half on, on the treadmill or an hour and a half, a uh, mile and a half on the treadmill, like broken up throughout <laughs> my workout and then, you know, just lifting or whatever. It's, it, it sets me up for a good day. Just healthy things like that. Just do healthy things that are going to make you feel good, whatever that might be. And yep. if you feel that a relapse is, is imminent or that it is coming, call somebody, go to a meeting, call, Take a walk. um, Take a walk. Go go somewhere that's going to make you not feel triggered. Go um go do anything but the drug, basically. Go do anything yeah. else. And but have that drug. plan. Know know where you can go where the triggers aren't gonna right. happen. Yeah. Right. And that's or where that's, they'll alleviate. And you know, that's kind of like that's we didn't really even talk about that. We can talk about it real quickly, but like there's all these little things too that you need to have in place for a relapse. For example, my relapse prevention plan. I know the first thing I need to do is to call my house manager. And I need to listen to my house manager whenever they say you need to go to detox. Mm-hmm. And then from detox, I, I will hopefully, in all good fortune, as long as I do what I'm told in the time that I'm told to do it, we'll be able then to just come back to my house living in in the environment that I live in 
it's nice to know that I live with so many supportive people that I don't feel that I need to relapse. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I, this is just something else, too. And I don't know, I don't know, Annie, you do with it what you do with it. And I'll say it. Okay. I'm not seeking the attention that I once sought. So I don't feel like I need to do drugs. I mean, I hear what you're saying. And that's a very common thing that people say that are in recovery. Like, you're I not just, trying to fill the void. Right. That was there before because you've already filled it with all the good things that you need to fill it with. Right. I feel like I have fixed the things that made me want to use and therefore there are not there's nothing left to make me want to use. And now, that is that the yeah. ultimate, the penultimate goal. Right. To and fill I'm not that void. That I'm not gonna relapse and I'm not saying that I'm like, right. you know, I figured out the game. But I'm saying right now in my life, there is nothing in my life that makes me want to use like it did before. Because you've I feel begun like those healing things have been fixed. Yes. what started that process. And that's what's that's what recovery is all about. Mm-hmm. I have goosebumps. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm not just having a regular conversation with somebody who I don't have a relationship with. So mm-hmm. when I hear you saying that, like, literally, I feel like I want to cry because right. it just makes me so happy because I love you, you know? Oh, I love you too. I mean, <laughs> and that happens when I'm with clients too. But when it's someone mm-hmm. that's close to you and you hear that like aha right. moment has happened with them, it's just so mm-hmm. awesome. So like, I'm just so incredibly happy for you. Yeah. And yeah. thank you. I'm, I'm <laughs> happy cute. too. And I love you too. But no, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. And you know, and I'm just gonna say it again, and I'll say it again and again and again. To anybody out there not knowing where to start in this first step. It all starts with being honest. Yep. I spent so many years lying to myself, lying to people I cared for, lying to people I love, lying to people who didn't even matter in my life mm-hmm. because I was trying to be somebody I wasn't. Yep. I was trying to run from things that I, I couldn't run from. And I was trying to hide things that just, you know, I just, it, it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. And now I have no reason to lie to anybody because I have been basically stripped bare in front of, in public. And, you know, yep. you know, there's yeah. no reason for me to lie anymore. And so being honest with yourself and being honest with the ones you love, that there is no cure for what you're going through, but for you to do the hard work and to keep working at it. Yep. I think that's, the, that's like the two main things. Be honest and do the hard work. Wow. That vulnerability that you have had has healed everything. Mm-hmm. It heals it the guilt and the shame. It, it, it Yeah. But like the, you saying it, strip down bare, mm-hmm. like literally that's not even like you're low. That, that's not what the low is. Like that was your defining moment. That right. stripped down bare. Like that was a clean slate. And even it, though you know, it was painful, all of your wounds were there. And if someone threw salt on you, it would have been like excruciating, right? Mm-hmm. But you have right. taken the salve of recovery and all the things you have learned to right. rebuild your life and yourself. And that's just, it. there's beauty in the struggle. Right. Right. And, you know, yeah. and two, the other thing is that I've created an environment where I felt safe enough to do that. Yeah. And you so, need to do that. It, that has to I, happen. Literally I, everything has to change. Right. And it, it does. <laughs> and it's and it's so hard. I know it's hard for a lot of people out there listening to do that. 
But if you can find a way to do it, it's worth you, it. You have to. It is. It is. Because I know if I still lived in Pittsburgh, we would not be having this conversation right now. Right. But because I am where I am and I, and I was honest with myself and I, I chose to move over 200 some miles away from home, I knew it was going to be better for me. And it has been. Yeah. And I created a safe environment that allowed me the opportunity to strip down there and to be honest with myself, to be honest with the people I love. And we, and you know, I know I say that some people out there don't have that opportunity, but we all can create that opportunity for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We just have to be strong enough to do it. Yeah. And each and every person out there listening to this and each and every person out there who is struggling, trust me, you are strong enough and you can do it. And you if can. you just need one person to believe in you, then I believe in you. Annie believes in you. Yeah, and you have two people that believe in you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. possible. It's absolutely possible. Um, and I think that's a great way to end this podcast. Yeah, I think so too. This episode. I think that yeah. like, that is the true relapse prevention. Is that there are people out there who care for you and you are strong enough to do this. Also have a and plan you're worth in it. case, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you're worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Diary of a Former Addict. I have been your host, Alan. We love, love, love that you've been listening to the podcast and we hope that you continue to support us. Please share the episodes with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Follow us on Facebook at Diary of a Former Addict or online at www.diaryofaformeraddict. It has been wonderful talking with you tonight, Annie. Thank you, you too. for joining me. Yeah. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Good night.